Welcome, welcome to another edition of Fixing the Talk Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Brown, but you already knew that. Today, I am joined by Anthony Gabriella, a.k.a. Squid. Squid, how are we doing today? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. It's my favorite time of year with the NBA oh, trade deadline. What, what, yeah, it is. It is that, that time of year, ain't it? It's time of year. It's a little bit later in the season, later in the year than we're accustomed to, but it's here nonetheless. And that is, like you said, the NBA trade deadline. We've already seen James Harden moved earlier in the season. So that kind of took a little bit of the firepower away from the trade deadline. But there's still plenty of pretty big names that could be on the move. Uh, they could end up entering the buyout market if they're not traded. So let's get into it. So Squid, the floor is yours. Give me some players that you think are likely to be moved or that you think have a good shot at being moved come before hey. the Thursday deadline. Hey, Ryan, thanks, man. I appreciate you having me on. You know, I, <laughs> I, I, I love talking NBA, especially when it comes to people's jobs and lives and if they're going to be fired moved, or whatever that may be, you know, affects a lot more than just the players, their families as well. So mm-hmm. got to love when that's thrown all in there. Obviously, I fail for those players who have to pack it up and move across country. But nonetheless, I'm ready to talk about it. Um, Ooh, I don't even know where we should get started. Um, it was a very active week last week, obviously, in a different sport, which I'm sure you've covered. Um, a little bit. A little bit. But, yeah, thinking about the NBA here, um, in the middle of March March Madness, we have a crazy trade deadline in front of us. And, you know, there's many players that think are going to be moved. Do you want to just get right into Boston and start talking about them? Let's do okay. it. Okay. Well, you know, um, over the last couple of days, the rumors have been swirling um, around one – Tristan Thompson, uh, I guess if we can start with him, a report came out from Kevin O'Connor, who is, you know, very, very deep into NBA circles, a great reporter, basically saying that the Tristan Thompson, uh, the locker room can't stand him, that he goes out, he goes out and just avoids all COVID protocol, which is why he's back in COVID protocol and that he is causing a rift within the team. Since that rumor has came out, Kemba Walker, who hasn't tweeted in about three months, has came out and said that... Tristan Thompson is a guy they love, and this is not true. And Jalen Brown just quoted the tweet and said cap. So that said, the Celtics players are saying it is not true, but there was reports from multiple sources saying that Tristan Thompson is a locker room cancer. That's see, that's, you just you just don't like to hear those kind of things, especially from a guy that you just signed. I know he's only making nine and a half million around there, and he's only on a two-year deal. But that's just not good stuff that you want to be hearing about a player that you just added and that you thought was going to be able to be an impact player in in terms of he was going to have a good role on this team. And now he's been in the starting lineup all year long, and he's been pretty solid. I think you and I can both agree on that from when when he's been in there. Uh, but now you now you bring up all this, and it's just like, is this is this part of the reason why the team is struggling? Well, to be honest with you, I think personally, I do think that it's part of the reasons. And I, I feel like Tristan Thompson, if he wasn't getting minutes, he like I feel like the Celtics are simply giving him minutes because they don't want to upset him. And if that's the case where he he is causing disruptions in the locker room, then just got to trade the guy. However, however. The players that came out and said it's not true, 
But personally, I think that could just be a smoke screen. So when other GMs see it, they say, okay, there's no problems in Boston's locker room by the players saying that. But really, that could be Danny Ainge texting these guys saying, can you please put a good a good word on Tristan Thompson's name so he still has <laughs> trade value out there, you know? <laughs> of course, of course. So, like, it, it's all a che- – like, the trade deadline is a big chess game. It's who who's willing to budge first and who's willing, you know. And typically, Danny Ainge doesn't budge first, which is, as a Celtics fan, can some, sometimes be as frustrating as it gets. Yeah, he – we, we know his history. Yeah, for those that are unfamiliar with Danny Ainge's history, yeah, he has not made a deadline deal since the Isaiah Thomas trade. And I believe that was, what, 2016? Yep, that was way back in the day. Yeah, it feels like forever. And he, he just has this reputation around the league. Everyone knows it, that if he is not winning the trade, and it is clear cut that he is winning the trade, he won't pull the trigger if, if, if it's even relatively close to an even keeled 50 50 like really even trade he's probably not doing it and that like you said has just become such a frustrating thing to see that the gm is not willing to take any chances and it would rather roll the dice on drafting the right players which he can't even really do that and right and that's and it's beyond frustrating especially when, when Danny Ainge was coined to be Trader Danny, a guy that, you know, for many years would, would, was told that he would trade his own kids for first-round picks. And now we haven't seen the guy make a deal in forever. Um, obviously, he's made some off-season deals with the whole Kyrie Irving disaster. But, you know, personally, I think this trade deadline is the most, it's going to define Danny Ainge's career as a GM. Obviously, he has a championship, and he'll be retired. He'll be, he'll, his, his name will go down in Celtics history as not only a great player, but also a GM. But, you know, I think – the second part of Danny's legacy is this trade deadline. And I, I believe that because yes, Tatum and Brown just inked new deals recently and they're on four and five years for, for the next four and five years. However, those years are on the clock now they're going baby. And that means deals need to be made. Deals mm-hmm. need to be made that are going to surround Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, your two clear best players, not, you don't, you don't want just pieces around them. You need to find the players who are going to complement them to the maximum. Whoever you can get, whether it's a player that is maybe is not as talented as Bradley Beal, but a player that's going to fit next to our core guys that we have now, that is the priority here. I don't care if that means trading Kemba Walker away or not competing this year. I don't care if that means making some decisions on Marcus Smart that you don't want to make. You need to surround these guys with the utmost talent that's going to make them the best players they are because they are our core. Yep. And they, so you hit it the nail. They have to find the group, whatever grouping works to make this team click. And for whatever reason that I know the injuries are a big part of this year. And we've talked about that in, this, in previous pods, but at some point you can't just blame the injuries because injuries happen to everyone. It has to be, uh, it's just the group doesn't click anymore or the players. It's just not the cohesive unit that you thought it was going to be. It's not the well-oiled machine that you thought it, it could and should be. And at some point, like you said, changes have to be made. You got to bring guys in to try and, and and change things, to try and make improvements. And the inclination right now is that they're not willing to do that. But hopefully, I'm wrong. Yeah, and I mean, at some point, it needs to become not about this year because clearly, I mean, we're we're only a game and a half out of fourth place, which is fine. We're still in it in that sense. However. Boston really needs to be think about thinking about 
how is how is it possible to put the best five players on the court next year coming into the season with some camaraderie? Um, with that being said, there's one player that really, really, really grinded my gears last night, and I'm sure he has, and he's grinded my gears for the last six years. However, I'm a, I mean, I'm a huge green teamer. If you follow me on Twitter, I, I, I absolutely love this guy, and his name is Marcus Smart. You know, there's very high highs with him, and there's very low lows. He's an emotional player who, personally, I've just, I, I'm getting sick of his decision making. He's a great defender. He's an All NBA defender. His decision making has been awful. This, it's the shot selection. It's it's many things, and I'm okay with him being on the Boston Celtics playing next to the Jays, but he cannot be the primary distributor next to the, these two, these two amazing talents who are 23 and 24 years old. There needs to be a primary passer on the team, and I'm excited to see what Danny can do to try to surround that. Ryan, what do you think about that? See, I understand where the green teamers, like you said, are just – they love Marcus Smart. It's so easy to get behind the guy when he plays with the passion, the hustle, the grit that he plays with. But I'm with you 100% in, in that his his decision-making, his shot selection just, just drives a person insane. It drives you insane with how he just – how you take the shots that he decides to take, especially late in games. It's not so much during the game, like the course of the game. When I'm t- criticizing his shot selection, I'm more so focusing on the end of the game, fourth quarter overtime. He, I saw a stat and this it's, it's not recent. It's about a week old, but I saw a stat about a week ago, fourth quarter overtime shooting percentages. You had your Tatum, your your Brown, and your Kemba Walkers in that thirty to forty percent shooting range. Kemba, uh, not Kemba. I'm sorry. Marcus Smart was at one point shooting eighteen percent in fourth quarter in overtimes, late late fourth quarter overtimes, like in clutch time, essentially. Yeah. That, that and he still has the gall. He still has the nerve to try and assert himself late in games as a shot creator. I understand like in a game last night, they play the Grizzlies. There's no Tatum. There's no Kemba Walker. So essentially the scoring is Brown number one by a mile. And then everyone else with smart kind of becoming that number two. So, and a night like last night, I understood why he was taking some of the shots that he did. Did I agree with them? No especially that late turnover he had that oh. essentially <laughs> the Celtics were lucky to force overtime after going down four with 50 seconds to go. But what I guess what I'm getting at here and sort of agreeing with you here is it's tough to watch him late in games at offense. And I don't know how much more of it I can take. And, I mean, that, that, like you said, that turnover last night, that may have been the turnover that's got me the most frustrated in all of Marcus Smart's bad, bad career decisions. He had a mediocre defender covering him. It was the laziest turnover I've ever seen. It was careless. It, I mean, it was awful. And it, it was super frustrating to see that. Um, and I guess that kind of leads me into, like, you know, Marcus, when Marcus made those issues early on in his career when he was 21, 22, 23 years old, they were understandable because he's a young player and you're like, all right, he'll grow out of that. Well, now he's, now he's in his prime and he's still doing that. And at some point the Celtics need to move on from him. If he's going to continue to make terrible decisions, 
with that said also, I mean, he almost creates himself to be like a security blanket for the Jays. So like, you know, when the Jays aren't doing well, Marcus Smart will bail him out. It's like, I think the Jays need to learn to become the leaders of the team and not Marcus Smart leading the team. The Jays need to be the leaders and Marcus Smart being here is not allowing that growth. I, I think that Marcus Smart provides stuff that you can't get talent wise. And that is super useful in that, in that leadership, but his, because I almost feel like because he has that sort of like gritty leader kind of mantra, he feels like he, that gives him the green light to take shots that only the Jays or uh, a, a dead eye of a shooter should be shooting. And that's just not the case. Now, I actually just went ahead and found that stat that I was alluding to. So clutch time percentages. And this was as of 320. So last Sunday, I believe. Uh, so we're talking... Yeah, last Saturday. So this is this is actually even more recent than I thought. Tatum, 48% in clutch time. So last two minutes of the fourth in overtime. 48% from the field, 33% from three. Jalen Brown, 41% from the field, 28% from three. Marcus Smart, 28% from the field, 16% from Ugh. three. And uh, it's even worse for Kemba. He's... 18% <laughs> from the field and 15% from three. I mean, cardiac Kemba. I mean, good Lord. What a mess. So basically what that tells me and I, because you know, anyone not on that list that I just, of those four players is not getting or should not be getting the ball much at all in clutch time situations. But if those, if half of those two, of those four are just completely untrustworthy and all you have to do is focus on Tatum and Brown because nobody else is reliable late games. That's a big problem. That is like a serious, serious problem. And I don't know if you can just address that overnight with one or trade. I almost think that that's, that's like a, of not a blow the team up kind of situation, but like a, Good God, what are we doing here, guys? And that, and, the, and that, I think it speaks exactly to, I mean, I came on this pod a couple of weeks ago and we talked about late in the game, if Tatum and Brown are not taking a shot, it's the wrong person. And I said, the only other person on the team that I trust taking a shot that late is Peyton Pritchard. I kind of said it jokingly, but I mean it. Mm-hmm. Those, anyone else in this team that shoots the ball late, I don't think it's going in. And it's like you just said, 16% and 17%. It's not going in, which leads me to, ask what do the Celtics need to do and there seems to be a lot of options out there and uh I don't know you want to fire away your first first few that you'd like to see yeah we can get going I know but let's let's circle back and and close out that first part we brought up Tristan Thompson as someone that could be on the trade block for the Celtics going out the door uh another guy that could be on his way out if if the right deal is made could be Daniel Tice given that he's on the final year of a two-year, $10 million deal, and he'll probably want to get some decent money. Uh, he could be pushing $10 million a year uh, come, come free agency. So I, I guess before we get into who we think the Celtics could be bringing in, let me ask you, do you think Tristan Thompson or Daniel Tice are going to see their way out the door before the deadline? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think one of those two players will be gone for sure. I, I don't see 
even if Ainge makes no big splash in free agency and he just, he's a seller and sells one of those two, one of those two will be gone in my opinion. Um, one, Daniel Tice, obviously like a $5 million deal for this year. Um, it's 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 going to expire and he's going to require mid-level money next year and the Celtics simply can't afford to pay that um, for when they have a younger center on the roster who's even better. So exactly, if Daniel Tice, I mean, if you wanted to play it out and let him leave, that's fine. Um, I, I personally think they're going to end up trading Tristan Thompson. Um, and I'm, not even because of those rumors, but because his contract is super matchable. Uh, and wherever he, I feel like, I feel like it's inevitable. He's going to end up on the Los Angeles Lakers. I, I know it's like, whatever I'm following TMZ, whatever it is, but he's married he, or he's dating a Kardashian. Mm-hmm. He, he's boys, LeBron, the, the Lakers need a center next to Anthony Davis. So I feel like it's a perfect fit. Some kind of three team deal, sending Tristan Thompson out there and Boston taking some kind of wing back in over here is something I could definitely see happening. That's, that's a potential possibility, but given that the fact that the Lakers are down AD and LeBron for the foreseeable future, we don't know when they're coming back. I think the Lakers are, if they make any moves, they're going to be looking for more firepower on offense. Cause yeah. the group of guys, role players that they have aren't cutting it on the offensive end and they need to try and stabilize themselves in the West for however long they need to, which could be a while. And the only way to really do that is get more offense because this is an offensive league after all. And yeah. they need a balance. They need to balance that offense with – so they had to find a nice balance of how are they going to last for these couple of weeks while they're gone, but also maintain a championship roster. Exactly. So I think if, if you see them do anything, I think it's going to be geared around getting someone who's more of a 3 and D kind of guy. And I'm not – and I don't exactly think Tristan Thompson fits that bill in my mind. I, I'm, I'm not saying Tristan Thompson won't end up in LA because I, <laughs> I can totally see a scenario where he does just for that reason, the Kardashian reason. But I, I, I just think they're going to be more three and D heavy. Yeah. And, and to be honest with you, I, the Lakers could probably get any bio big man that comes in the market. So I, I'd be interested to see what, what they do, but I, I, However, I do think Tristan Thompson is going to get shipped off somewhere. Uh, and if it's not Tristan, it's going to be Daniel Tice. But one of the two, because there's a lot of uh, a lot of issues with the Celtics and the luxury tax, and they're going to want to get his salary off if he's not helping very much, if we're going to be bad. Yeah, I, I agree. I think one of the two will go. Uh, I, I'm low-key think it might be Tice, though. I'm because, okay with that. Just because he's on the expiring contract, whereas Thompson, you still have another year of him. You're not rushed to sort of get him out the door unless unless he's that much of a cancer in the locker room then maybe the you've got more uh of a reason to get him out in that in in that for me i don't care if the celtics make zero trades besides trading one of those two big men because the most important thing to me is getting uh rob williams the minutes he deserves because he is going to be awesome yes and he showed flashes of that uh, the other night against the Grizzlies, he got 28 minutes and he had 17 points. I think it was six rebounds and four assists, like a couple blocks in there too. Yeah. So like he is able to handle a starter's minutes load. I, I have, you'd have to see it more often to get a strong sense of that. But from what I saw last night in person, uh, all indications are he can handle that workload. I did find it peculiar that he did get subbed out uh, in overtime uh, down the stretch for Tice. I don't know if that was because Rob was tired out or, or whatnot. Um, but 
I, I think that he's capable of handling 30 minutes a game. And, and, and I think it's pretty clear, Rob's, I mean, at this point, at least, I think it's pretty clear Rob is the center of the future and potentially the center of the now. So, yeah. So now that we've addressed that, now let's get into who we think the Celtics could potentially bring in. We, we had this sort of pre-discussion uh, a couple of months ago when we first had our Celtics pod uh, and we rattled off some names that we think are, we, we had been hearing on the interwebs of that could be potential trade targets for Danny Ainge and the Celtics. But now that we, the trade deadline is less than 48 hours away, this being recorded on a Tuesday night, uh, trade deadline being Thursday at three. Uh, Squid, who do you think the Celtics are looking at and who do you think they might end up bringing in? Yeah, well, I guess I'll just jump on the elephant in the room um, if you've been following any form of social media, and that would be Aaron Gordon. Um, Aaron Gordon, I, I personally think, is a good fit for a few different reasons. One, um, he's a good defender. Whenever, when everyone thinks of Aaron Gordon, everyone thinks of, oh, the dunk contest. He got robbed of a dunk contest. Oh, he can jump through the roof. Well, the Celtics wouldn't really be trading for him to jump through the roof. The Celtics would be trading for this man to, you know, play complementary defense to, to the Jays, have a switchable four-man, who can, he's shooting 40% on catch and shoot threes. Um, he can knock down the three a little bit and he can, he's a good passer. That's, I mean, that's an ideal player next to, next to um, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in a sense of defense and trying to, you know, fill the gap between a center. And he can also run some small ball five. So I think he's a very tradable player uh, to get to Boston right now. And it seems like the magic are willing to part ways with him. So. Yeah, and if if he comes, if, if Aaron Gordon ends up making his way to Boston, don't be surprised if Evan Fournier joins him. Uh, he's, Fournier has already requested a trade or said he's not coming back, re-signing with the Magic. His contract is expiring, so the Magic should have all the reason to try and blow their team up for the most part, sell anyone that's not the that they don't think is the future of the team that won't be there long-term. And so I wouldn't be surprised if wherever Aaron Gordon goes, Fournier is packaged with him. And the Celtics would want to be one of the few teams that could absorb both of those contracts, given their massive traded player exception. Uh, Aaron Gordon, he's currently on the third year of a four-year $80 million deal. So he would have another year after this year. Uh, this year, he's making 18.1 mil. Next year, it's actually only 16.4 because he's on a descending scale for base salary amazing which is that's you don't see that often uh these days usually it's escalating um but i'm gonna give you another player and i think it's another one that was hot early on that's kind of waned as we've gotten closer to the trade deadline that being harrison barnes uh he's in the second year of a four-year 85 million dollar deal so he's he would have some serious uh contract flexibility in terms of you've got him locked up for two years after this year he's declining also and exactly he's declining also the kings are in a weird spot because they are third they're 13th in the western conference right now they aren't are, they always <laughs> as, as they always are at, at least in recent memory uh and they're not really in striking distance of the play-in game they are Technically, they're only three and a half back of that 10 seed. But in order to be in the play-in game, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, 
like nine and 10 have to be like within three games of each other, but nine would still have to be within three games of eight. Is that correct? Yep. Yep. So basically you need the, to be 10 or nine, but one of those, that ninth place team has to be within striking range of eight. So, Oh wait, no, no, no. Sorry. They're there. I'm pretty sure the playing game is, I'm pretty sure the playing game just for this year is all four is all four teams, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10 are just automatically playing. Oh, okay. Cool. It's interesting. Right. Regardless, regardless. Yeah. I do. I, I do was think aware of that. No. Yeah. I, I didn't know that either until a couple of days ago when I read into it a little bit more and I saw that like, they weren't doing the whole like close thing this year. I mean, I guess they did that for the bubble, but yeah. I don't know. Re- regardless, I feel, I, I agree. The Kings are in a weird spot and I feel like they're making the wrong. I mean, I've heard them say they don't want to trade um, Harrison Barnes. Maybe that's smoke screen and try to get a better offer. But I mean, that's the wrong choice personally. And that's because you have Tyrese Halliburton and De'Aaron Fox who are really good young players. And if you're going to be in the lottery and you can trade Harrison Barnes, trade a couple other players and get even further into the lottery, you have a real shot at Cade Cunningham or Evan Mobley or a amazing franchise altering player to pair with those two great guards where you're looking at potentially a contender down, down the road. Instead, you're looking at Harrison Barnes with those two. So I don't know. To me, it's a little, it's a little wacky. Yeah. I mean, you've got those two uh, you've got, I mean, Marvin Bagley is working his way in, in evolving as a player. Uh, he's starting to get more and more minutes. Buddy Heald's still kicking, even if he's having a down year by his standards. Richard Holmes has been a nice little plug and play, mm-hmm. 14 and 9 for them. Uh, they haven't even used Hassan Whiteside at all. I mean, they just took him on and they've just done nothing. So that's another guy that may potentially be on the move that we can get into a little bit later. But like you look at the Kings makeup, and yeah, it's 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 De'Aaron Fox, it's Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, maybe it's Buddy Heald and and then probably Marvin Bagley, but does Harrison Barnes fit that timeline? And I agree. I don't think he does. And the Kings should be looking to capitalize on his career season where he's averaging career best pretty much across the board while they can, because who knows if this is the Harrison Barnes of the future or if he's just going to go back to the Harrison Barnes of the old after this year. So if I'm the Kings, I'm looking to get them. And if I'm the Celtics, I'm looking to capitalize on and try and get a guy that's playing as good as he's ever played. And I know that seems kind of counterintuitive from the Celtics perspective, but they need all the help they can get. And if they're getting a guy that's clicking at it, playing at his absolute best, I mean, that can only help the team. And yeah, maybe you're stuck with his contract for another two years but that gives you time to potentially move that contract again. Should it not pan out the way you think it might essentially kicking the can down the road. Yes. Nevertheless, nevertheless, the Kings are going to be the Kings and I don't expect them to move them. Yeah. (laughs) Which is unfortunate, but it is what it is. Uh, Are there any other players that you think the Celtics may be targeting? Yeah. Uh, there, there are a few. I'm just going to rifle them off so we can move on to some other teams. Um, there's one I think it's under the radar. I know people are iffy about it. His name's Lonzo Ball. Um, I just his, his I think he's going to get moved. He, he's not playing tonight for with a hip flexor, uh, quote unquote hip flexor. So I wouldn't be shocked if he's moved tonight. Um, 
And I say that because they, I want, I don't think they want to pay him and they have so many picks there in New Orleans. They just feel like they could find a better guard than him. But uh, two, I feel like the, me personally, I believe the Celtics need an elite setup guy. I'm not saying Lonzo's elite at setting up people yet, but he has a talent too. And the Celtics finding a guy that can set others up like for good shots is kind of what they need. So I could see him being traded to Boston. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying it's potentially an option that's been thrown out there. And then uh, I don't know, maybe the potential of the Celtics just looking at a team like the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, Larry Nance Jr. Or a team like the Oklahoma city thunder and George Hill to try to get back into things this year. However, I don't, I mean, I don't think that's going to get us over the hump, but if Ainge is trying to kick the can down the road a little bit and just get people to shut up about making a trade, maybe he makes a small move like that. Yeah, I, I could definitely see the George Hill thing. I don't think he's going to stick around with the Thunder past the deadline. I think somebody's going to want to get his pedigree. He's got plenty of playoff experience to boot. Um, I mean, he's played with the Bucks in recent years. Uh, now he's with the Thunder. But I think that could be a, a nice fill-in for a team like uh the los angeles clippers if they could make mm-hmm. the money work uh, i don't know if they've got got the pieces to make it work but uh that's something where the clippers could sure use somebody to orchestrate the offense um but i i, I do like your lonzo uh possibility the celtics absolutely need uh, somebody with his playmaking because kemba's a score score first point guard uh, he's not really an assist guy. And that shows by the fact that Marcus Smart, of all people, leads the Celtics in assists per game this year, which in my my head just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But credit to Marcus Smart for at least taking that role since Kemba's not really <laughs> that guy. Um, I think he, one, go ahead. That's all right. I was, I was going to say, you know, I, I do think that the Celtics getting – I mean, Marcus Smart tries to be an assist guy, but then he makes bad decisions with that. The Celtics need a primary, like, pass-first guy who can, like, maybe shoot a little bit off ball. And at times, uh, ball is that. And I see, I'm see i saying ball a lot. But, yeah, Alonzo Ball could be that at times. Mm-hmm. Um, there is one more name I wanted to throw out there uh, to you, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah. it, might get, it might get some death threats on my phone line. Um, it might get – someone might drive to Milwaukee and beat me up. But his name's Al Horford. And I don't say this for <laughs> reasons that I want Al Horford on this team. But – if the Celtics use the TPE to pull an Al Horford, that kicks the can two years down the road. That gives the Celtics a contract that can say, okay, here's Al Horford's expiring deal for 20, whatever, $24 million. This can get you a bigger name player down the road if they can't make something work in the time of the TPE when it expires. So that's just another name to look out for. I'm not saying I want it, but it, it could happen. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly, I just, I think the Celtics are really one of the only teams that would be even in position to do something along those lines. That contract is just so bad for Horford with what he's putting out uh, stats wise and, and numbers wise. It's, it's just bad. It, and, it, right. And it, and it gives him long-term flexibility though, but it's bad. Yeah. And that's the, that, that's the thing. It, it would give them that flexibility, but like we've said before, the trade exception it doesn't expire at the deadline. Like they, it rolls over a little bit into the off season. Not, not much. You don't have much time if you let this go into the off season. But so I guess if you, if you were to make that move, Danny Ainge is basically saying, we don't think we can find an impact player to add to this team 
and put the pieces together trade-wise to make it happen. So we're just going to take this contract so that we can actually use the trade exception and not let it go to waste. Uh, so that's, that would be what that would tell me is we don't think we're capable of making a trade that's either fair for us in our eyes or that we're just not capable of making a trade in general for an impact player uh, to use the trade exception. So here we go. Al Horford, welcome back. And what, and what that does is, you know, your, your young guys in the roster, like uh, Neesmith, Langford, Pritchard, Grant Williams, it gives them more time to try to prove themselves. So maybe a year down the road, one of those guys is super valuable and a lot, and that makes like a possibility of a good piece to be added to this team much higher. So, um, I mean, I don't want that to happen, but if it does, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, I mean, I, th- I think that's what I got for the Boston Celtics. And maybe with the slightest, slightest glimmer of hope that they could find a place for Kemba Walker to go. <laughs> yeah. Man, if they actually traded Kemba Walker, I think that would actually be a jaw dropper. And, and not just because my draw, jaw is in shambles for life, but, but because Kemba Walker, that contract is 30-something million a year. And he's only showing glimpses of being back to his own self. I don't think anyone wants to take that contract right now. So I'd be shocked if somebody, if Danny Ainge not only was able to trade Kemba Walker, but actually pulled the trigger on that trade. Hey, and if someone does good for Danny, um, <laughs> but you know, I, I almost, there are some bad GMs out there and there's been worse decisions made. So this is true. So let's get into some of the players around the league that we think could be on the move and where we think they might end up. Uh, so I'll just throw out a few names and then we'll see what your thoughts are on them. Squid. Okay. All right. So let's start first. He's been in the news most recently. That's Victor Oladipo. He's in the final year of his four year, $85 million deal. He got traded to the Rockets, uh, as part of that trade earlier in the season that involved James Harden and, now it looks like the Rockets are full on send to move him again. Now that they're officially off of their 20 game losing streak. Uh, and it seems that they are happy with where the trade market is for him to the point where it seems like a done deal that he's moving. Yeah. So, so I don't know where he's going to end up. I know that the heat and the New York Knicks have the most cap space in the summer to sign him. And that's where he seems to be intent to going long-term. But I, but because of that, those two teams are reluctant to actually make the trade in season and give up anything trade-wise to get him for the stretch run here. They would rather just sign him in the free agents, in the off-season. Uh, so for that reason, I, I'm not sure if he's going to go to a place where he wants to go necessarily. So he might see him on a rental going to somewhere like, Oh, I don't know, a Denver nuggets team or a golden state. If they're desperate enough. Uh, what, what do you think about Victor Oladipo? Yeah. I, I, I think, I think you, you had that right on the nail that if Victor Oladipo is going to end up in Miami or New York, it's going to be in the off season and not right now. Um, Cause why, unless like, the Rockets are like, all right, we don't have a deal for this guy. We'll take a second round pick or whatever. Cause like, I'm not saying he's worth, he's obviously worth more than that, but like his deal's expiring. So 
I mean, if a trade's not made, you might as well buy him out because you're just he's 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 maybe going to hold you back from winning games. I mean, not not that he has helped you win any games, but yeah. maybe a game or two that makes a difference later on in the season. He wins you that you really want to lose. So who, if he doesn't get traded, he's going to be bought out. So I wouldn't be shocked if um, he ends up at a place like Golden State, like you said, um, simply for the fact that Kelly Oubre is also going to be a free agent. And I, I believe if I'm correct there. Um, I think so. I'm not yeah. entirely sure. And I know Golden State's not happy with the way he's played. So I really wouldn't be shocked if, like, you see, like, a Vic for, I don't know, Uber switch or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or some – if possible. And maybe if Uber is not expiring, you still see Vic go there for Uber. Um, And that would kind of give, like, Steph a running mate for this year. And then maybe he's gone, but that at least clears the books for Golden State to uh, save some money there. Yeah, so just looking at it now, he is on the final year of a two-year yeah. deal. Uh so he would be an unrestricted free agent in this upcoming off season. Uh, so yeah, that that's definitely a possibility. Maybe the Warriors just add in a pick or two just to make it work. Right. Maybe they get old deep ones in there and say, Hey, if Vic can play like this, maybe that gets to the second round of the playoffs of him and Steph are clicking at the right time, you know? Yeah. It's like not saying that's going to happen, but you, you never know with Steph Curry. So exactly. And I mean, that even sets up the possibility of next season, if they can make a, a solid run this year, Warriors with a lineup of Curry, Oladipo, uh, Wiggins, Draymond, Wiseman, and the next year you get to bring back Clay Thompson. If, if you were able to get Oladipo to stay, Warriors, I'm not saying they're back to 72 and 10 dynasty type of levels, but they could be back to being a force to be reckoned with title contender for sure. If they were oh, absolutely to get Oladipo and get him to stay long-term. A hundred percent. Yep. So, uh, I mean, I think that's an option out there. Yeah. Uh, I, I, like I said, I just don't, I, I feel like he's going to end up long-term in Miami. It's just mm-hmm. whether or not Miami wants to make the move now or wait till free agency to do it. Miami's a smart franchise and, Man, with that, personally, I don't think that's the right fit. Um, <laughs> I think Miami desperately needs, like, a point guard. Like, I, I mean, and that can lead us into the next one I had on my list if you want to go there. Yeah, go ahead. Um, that is one Kyle Lowry. Um, mm. I think we just need a touch on the Raptors as a whole because they have lost, like, nine of their last 11, I believe it is. And yeah. the Raptors are free-falling. They have a lot of talent on the roster. I have no idea how they're free-falling. It seems like Pascal Siakam hates Nick Nurse like the rest of us. Um, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure not many people do like Nick Nurse. He's annoying. Um, if you've ever watched the Raptors play, he just yells and yells and yells and jumps on the floor and just basically whines like a baby. Um, the Raptors. I mean, he's a good coach. Don't get me wrong. I just hate him. Yeah. Um, hates a strong word. I don't like him. Uh, <laughs> I I do think that Kyle Lowry has the potential to be moved, and he might. I mean, if if I'm the Raptors, I look at saying, okay. Can we get a decent little package for this guy and kind of reset, get a good draft pick this year? Um, I mean, I would do it if I was the Raptors and a team that I could see him traded to. I think it's going to be a bidding war between Philadelphia and the Miami Heat. Yep. If Kyle Lowry goes to Philadelphia or Miami, that could swing the East. That's a move that could – I mean, man, if you put Kyle Lowry with Jimmy Butler and bam, you got some dogs down there, and that's a team I would not want to run into in the postseason. Yeah. With the, with the other type of guys that they got, with Dragic, Hero. Oof. You got some dogs down there if, if you're going to trade for Kyle Lowry. And that's, I mean, that's a team I could see not stepping up to Brooklyn and not being scared of them. 
Mm-hmm. If he goes to Philly and you get to do a lineup of Lowry, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, and Embiid with somebody else, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's another lethal combination. Now, that would get tough because do you take the ball out of Ben Simmons' hands? Is he now just going to be like a, a power forward with, with and, and, or sort of share ball handling responsibilities with Lowry? I'm interested to see how that would work, but that's a lot of talent there. So, yeah, I, I, me personally, I don't think he's going to end up in Philadelphia simply because if I'm Philadelphia, I want more, I want to make a move for like a, another shooter, some more floor spacing and just give, maximize MB and Simmons space on the floor. Cause if you can spread to spread them out there, Simmons can get to the paint at will and MB can do whatever he wants on a, against a single team against anyone mm-hmm. in the league. So if I, I mean, if I'm the Sixers, I'm finding shooting, not Kyle Lowry. Yeah. And if I'm the Miami heat, I'm all in on Kyle Lowry. Yeah. So maybe, maybe a name that Philly should be interested in is uh, Bogdan Bonjanovic uh, mm-hmm. down in Atlanta. If he is available, uh, the contract isn't uh, necessarily great, uh, but uh, that's a guy when he's on the floor and healthy, like that is a great shooter. That's it's a big a, that's, shot maker. Yeah. That's a guy that is a difference maker on the offensive floor. So if they really want to add a piece like that, that, that might be where they look to get their, their sort of difference maker at, at the deadline. Um, he, he's another guy. I think Boston might have their eyes on too, simply from the fact that he's shooting very badly and yeah. he'd be a good guy to put off the Jays. Yeah, another name that we've heard the Celtics be rumored in. Uh, I don't think it's it's going to happen, but it's been talked about uh, on the rumor mill a little bit, and that would be Bogdan's Atlanta Hawks teammate, John Collins. Uh, what makes trading him difficult is he's in the final year of his rookie deal. He's only making four point one million in base salary this year, so you're not going to be able to take a large expiring contract to match with him. You're going to have to match it with a younger player or an expiring veteran contract. That's on the lower end of the spectrum. And then uh, basically throw draft picks at the Hawks in order. However, to John Collins. however, he, he, he could fit into the Enos Cantor exception. Um, hmm. That said, he's a restricted free agent and he's going to want $25 million a year. And as a Celtics fan, I do not want to pay John Collins $25 million a year when you have two other versatile wings locked up when he's kind of a weird middleman. Yeah. So he's already declined a contract extension with the Hawks that was basically a max contract. And he's just like, nope, I'm all set. I want to test free agency. So I think that kind of takes a little bit of, of the lure away from trading for John Collins. But if a team were desperate enough and were, was willing to throw a spicy enough offer at the Nuggets, I think that's going to be my word going forward. My trigger word is spicy. Uh, John, don't be surprised if the Denver Nuggets hop in on this. Does it make a lot of sense from the outside looking in? Not really, because what the the – what the Nuggets really need is like a third star player to go with Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, but they've got guards and wings and they've got their center. What they don't have is another sort of big guy to pair up with Jokic. Cause I'm sorry, Paul Millsap is not that guy anymore. Yep. He's, he's, he's past his prime. 
he he's just not the answer anymore. If I'm the Nuggets, I might see if I can add a John Collins to my team. Because if you can start a lineup of Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, MPJ, yeah, Michael Porter Jr., and maybe Will Barton alongside a John Collins. Not only is that extremely long, you're starting a Will Barton at the two in that scenario, but you've got a lot of height to go around and you've got a lot of scoring to go around. Mm -hmm. Everyone on that floor can score the ball flat out. And I think that would be a low key, a, a good addition for the Nuggets. Do I think they'll actually do it? No. Yeah. I, I think Atlanta's going to get cold feet last minute and hang on to him and give him a contract because um, they can match his offer anyways. This, I mean, he's too talented. And, and it, I mean, if, if he's going to be good in two years, you can trade him down the line if you have to. Mm-hmm. Um, I I do think, however, though, like you said, the, the Nuggets really could use a four-man, whether that's him or, you know, Aaron Gordon, so they can get a nice big wing to guard the Kawhis and the LeBrons in the postseason. Um, they do need to find that somehow because what they have is, kind, is not going to cut it when it comes to LeBron time. Yeah, uh, I don't. I just don't think Michael Porter Jr. is up there defensively. He's not ready yet. Yeah, exactly. Uh, another name that has been on the trade market for quite some time now. That would be one Andre Drummond. <laughs> he has just been sitting in Trade Island. The Cavaliers have just not played him for the past what feels like month, month and a half. Something along those lines. It's definitely been weeks. And they've been waiting on it. Drummond's been just waiting on a trade. And it's yet to happen. Uh, I have no idea if... And I, I'm not even sure if they're even going to be able to find anything for him. <laughs> At this point, it, it almost seems like they're going to stuck, get stuck buying him out too. Which would be such a waste. I know they, they stole him from the Pistons for like scraps on the table. But still, I mean, when you get a player of his caliber and talent, yes, he has his limitations on the offensive end. Uh, but, man, that's uh, – if, if they end up having to buy him out and they can't find anywhere for him to go, that'd be a, that'd be a tough blow. Uh, I, inevitably, I think it's going to happen simply because his contract is so large. Um, I, I, I'll tell you. I have been counting down the days for two years to the day that Andre Drummond gets moved or gets bought out. Because if one more Celtics fan asks me, should we trade for Andre Drummond? I'm going to lose my freaking mind. I'm, I'm going to lose it. I, he doesn't fit on this team. I don't know why people don't get it. I mean, if you bring him in as a buyout and he wants to come to Boston for some reason, sure. But like, we do not need Andre Drummond taking time Lord's minutes. It just, we don't need that. We yeah, don't need that energy in here. Exactly. Uh, basically for Celtics nation, think Greg Monroe, but like <laughs> a little bit better, but like better, a better version of Greg Monroe that can't shoot f- f- the ball as well. And gets burnt in pick and roll. Like Ian is can't yeah. level burnt in pick and roll. So it's just like, it's a guy that averages 16 points and 14 rebounds, but doesn't offer you much less. He wouldn't solve the rim protection problem that you've had sans Robert Williams and it just does yeah, like you said it just doesn't really fit the bill so but if he were to get traded don't be surprised if that team is the Dallas Mavericks now mm-hmm. 
I have not gone into how they would construct this this trade, make the money work, whatnot. But if if the if the Mavericks could pull this together and they compare Christos Porzingis with Drummond, you've got Luca, you've you've got the pieces in place, then you just gotta add wing scorers. And they've got a couple, unreliable, but they've got some. Mm-hmm maybe that turns the tide for Dallas. I know they're already sort of back on the upswing right now. They've won seven of their past 10. They're back in the top eight of the playoffs, but man, uh, if you're the Mavericks, you should, again, it's a similar situation to the Jays. I know Luca's younger than, than the both of them, but uh, it's another situation where you've got a guy that is one of the best players in the world you should be trying to do everything in your power to uh, assemble as much talent around him as possible while you have him. And so if, if they can finagle their way into Andre Drummond, make the money work somehow, uh, that would be a start in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I do think that's probably the realistic landing site for him. If he does get moved. Um, and if he doesn't get moved and he gets bought out, you can just talk him in as like a starting center. Oh. Um, <laughs> and I mean, they're, they're going to, I mean, inevitably he's not going to be on the Cavs one way or the other. Um, and I'm excited for Celtics fans to stop asking me about, about Andre Drummond. Hmm. What, what, what about you? Any other names? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a few different names that have came up that, I mean, I want to go into the Raptors as a whole. Um, go for see it. If, if, I want, I want to know if the Raptors are going to just, just blow it up because Lowry's pretty old. Um, they don't really have a young star. I mean, Siakam signed for shine for a bit there, but it's clear he's more of a second or third option. People want to say he was a second option on the, the Raptors championship team. I personally think he was a third option behind Kyle Lowry. Um, but I, I could definitely see the um, the Raptors making some other moves, whether that's Norm Powell, who has been averaging 30 points for the last six games. And maybe that's happening because the team sucks. And they said, okay, Norm Powell will go average 30 a game. So your trade value goes to the roof. Mm-hmm. Um that's another player I could see being moved um, player. I freaking love in Boston. If he's going to come off the bench, it was 20 a night. Um, <laughs> God only knows but, we could use it. Yeah. And then the other players in Toronto that I feel like the Raptors might be getting calls about is one OG and an uh, for his versatile wing defense and just being a solid player. I wouldn't be shocked or um, again, Pascal Siakam if the value is there. See, I feel like Lowry is obviously going to be the one to go. If if they blow it up, I don't think I think Powell is the guy that also goes. I think that they're gonna build around Fred Van Fleet, Siakam, and OG. I, I feel like they'd have to be pretty much blown away uh, to take a, a deal for any of those three, because uh, I think that's the three that they probably want to build around going forward, and everyone else is more expendable. Uh, even even a, a Raptors legend, Kyle Lowry, but yeah, I I, I just don't I, I just can't see the Raptors sending a just start doing a fire sale and blowing everything up and just saying none of you are worth building around. Let's just get let's just do our best Sam Presti impression and trade you all for first round draft picks and let's just start from the bottom. Hey, and you know Masai Jury he's a guy who's not scared to take chances. So if it does happen, I'm not like absolutely shocked, but I mean, I don't think it will, but 
if that's the route he goes, I'm not. I, the one thing, everyone thinks Pascal Siakam's like 24 years old. I'm pretty sure he's pushing 30. He's got to be at least 27, 28 years old. Um, he came into the league really late. I don't know if our stats department can get an, an age check on him, but uh, <laughs> he is a, uh, he's a, he's a, I mean, ultimately I, I do think Lowry will get dealt. Um, Norm Powell could be dealt. And uh, yeah, I mean, if, if Siakam's dealt, it's simply because him and Nick Nurse hate each other. Uh, Pascal Siakam clocks in at the age of 26. He will be okay, 26. 20, he'll be 27 uh, beginning of April. So two weeks time. Okay. So he's almost 27. I mean, if you're going to rebuild, but by, by the time you rebuild, what is he 30? I mean, I don't know. Maybe and may, the one, okay. Here's the one takeaway I have with the Raptors Celtics fans. If you want to be happy about something right now, cause there's not much to be happy about. It can be that you broke the Toronto Raptors and ruined Nick nurse's day. That is one, <laughs> one thing you can be happy about. That is that, that we, we have that. Thank God. We have that. We have that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sorry, I, I was throwing some names at you, and there was one I saw today. It was reports basically that DeMar DeRozan is available for trade. Ooh. Which, that a, could be an interesting fit in many places. Yes. What places do you have in mind? The I mean, the first thing that comes to mind for me personally is the Los Angeles Lakers or DeMar. Oh, and that God. is because if, if you're looking for a – if you're looking for – like you kind of like you said, an offensive punch that's going to carry you through some games right here, that could definitely be DeMar DeRozan. Oh, uh. like, I'm trying to process that. Like, how would? I mean, Kuzma. Um, I mean, I would. I would send Kuzma on the first first uh, Delta Airlines flight to, to <laughs> okay. down to San Antonio. Yeah. No. One hundred percent agree. I'm just man. If they somehow pulled that out of their ass and they were able to get Demar Derozan to hold the fort, and then you bring back AD and LeBron with him. Man, that's a tough ass. It would, it would set up an all-time series of the Nets. Oh man! That... I mean, I I personally think they need an offensive punch like that to hang with the Nets at this point because they have so much offense down there. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. It's just can't do they have the pieces to make something like that happen? And I mean, I, are the Spurs willing to really move on? I mean, if I'm the Spurs, I personally am. I mean, I mean, they're competitive this year, but they're not going to win anything. So it's like, I mean, I know Popovich wants to win, but if you're, if you're the owner of the Spurs and say, hey, I can, I can sell, um, the Rosen who's on an expiring contract, I believe, or he's got like one year left. I don't know. He's coming close to the end of his deal. Um, if I can get rid of DeRozan, I mean, he's a good player. I'd be sad to see him go. But add a young player like Kuzma, a young player like Taylor Horton Tucker, to the already good young core you have with. Kelvin Johnson and DeJounte Murray and Derek White down there. Um, I, I would think about doing it. I mean, I'm sure you could probably get a better offer for DeMar DeRozan, but if there's not better offers and that's what it ends up being, don't be shocked to see DeMar DeRozan in the, in the purple and gold. Yeah, he is on an expiring contract. It's a, it is a fat one though. So he's a, his, his salary is 27.7 mil. So he's almost getting 28 million this year. Yep. Uh, so you'd, have to make money work somehow uh, and that's kuzma kuzma i mean and that's the reason they signed kuzma such a big deal is because if they're going to deal kuzma that allows you to i mean one kuzma's deal has got to be like 11 12 million a year i believe um mm-hmm. you know you got you got uh caldwell pope on a bigger deal you got Her- montress harrell on a bigger deal um so you could make the money i mean dennis schroeder on a bigger you could make the money work somehow i mean it, it's there don't get mm-hmm. me wrong so if, if you're going to see demar de rosen move that's one of the possible landing sites 
Yeah, I mean they definitely have some options. KCP is twelve million. That's just stupid. Schroeder sixteen yep. mil. The way right, he's so those playing, two guys right there. Yeah, the way he's <laughs> playing, that's not really worth it. Uh, Harrell is making a little over nine million, but I like what he brings to that team. He's definitely a guy. Even if he's not starting, he brings a lot yeah. to the team. Yeah. Um, Kyle Kuzma this year is still on his rookie deal. So okay, the so extension doesn't kick in until next year. So okay, his so base salary is still 3.5. So that's, yeah, that's more of a long-term thing. But but to get DeRozan, they might need to put Kuzma in there to sweeten the pot. Yeah, and, yeah, I, I mean, agree. And if I'm the Spurs, I mean, if I mean, if I'm the Lakers and I say, okay, we'll give you um Kuzma, Schroeder, and KCP, send DeRozan our way. I mean, I, I'm not even sending him on Delta Airlines. That's a nice fly. I'm sending him on Spirit Airlines down to <laughs> down to San Antonio, damn. Spirit. Man, <sighs> that's, that'd be a tough way to go out from a championship <laughs> defending team. You get sent on Spirit Airlines to freaking San Antonio. But that's a move LA might need to make. I mean, especially to stay afloat here. Yeah. No, I 100% agree. Uh, I've got two more players on my list uh, that we haven't talked about at all. Um, they're not big names by any stretch of the imagination. And ultimately, I think they're both going to end up on the buyout market. Uh, the first is JaVale McGee. I, I, he's with the Cavs right now. They've got Jared Allen after the Harden deal, so they have no need for him. Uh, he could be an enticing death piece for a team down the stretch for a contending team, given he just played on the Lakers last year when they won the title. Mm-hmm. So he's got playoff cha- and championship experience. Uh, but I don't, I don't, even though he's on a cheap deal, two years, eight mil. So he's only making about 4 million this year. I, I, I'm not really sure anyone trades much of a value uh, to for a JaVale McGee. So that's, that seems like more of a buyout uh, candidate in my, uh, for me, but I saw some reports about him. Actually, it, it was a two, if the Cavs are going to trade him, it's for a second round pick. So maybe mm-hmm. like a Brooklyn who's looking for another big to bolster their roster. Yeah. Uh, that could definitely be it, especially after they got rid of Jared Allen. That's all they have is second round picks left. Everything else is gone for the next 20 yeah. years. <laughs> literally, literally gone. Uh, <laughs> but the other name that I wanted to bring up, and that would be the Marcus Aldridge. I think it's a very interesting case because he's on the final year of a two year, $50 million contract. So he's making about $24 million this year. Uh, He's putting up solid numbers. Uh, he's not like washed up like I like in my eyes, Paul Millsap is. Like he's putting up 13 and a half, seven rebounds. Like he still is a contributor. He's not like a fast pace, he's more of a half court guy. Uh, not that he ever was like a, a run and gun player with the Blazers or the Spurs, but that's a guy that is a all NBA caliber player in his past and he's still capable of giving you solid production uh, whether it's in the starting lineup or even if it were to come off the bench Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that could be an enticing option for a team if they are looking for depth or uh, an impact or somewhat of an impact player uh, at the four position at the power forward Uh, I don't think a team like the Celtics is going to be interested in in that and I don't think there are going to be a ton of teams that are going to be willing to trade for a guy like him, knowing that uh, he's not going to be playing with the Spurs anymore. So it's either he gets traded or he gets bought out. I mean, he's a big contract. So I, I, I don't too. see anyone giving him much value for him unless it's like a, you know, 
oh, here's like a here's our expiring big contract for your expiring big contract, you know? Yeah, and we'll just throw in a first round pick to make the talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, I I think he's probably more of a buyout candidate as well. But again, I I also think that there's a possibility that somebody says, like you said, let's just trade expiring contracts, and you get the you get the more uh, you get the starting power forward you're looking for, and we get the expiring contract and draft pick. Yeah, I I I definitely agree, and I I think he's a player. I mean, it goes back to the same names you've been saying for a while. It's Miami, um, it's Philadelphia, it's the Lakers, it's 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 the, it's the contenders, you know, Milwaukee, wherever these, whatever teams feel like they need to add one of these guys in the buyout market, or I mean, the buyout market looks like it's going to be pretty hefty this year, which is great for those teams that are contending. Um, and yeah, ultimately, I feel like that's where Aldridge is going to end up. Hmm. Now, real quick, let's circle back to the Celtics. I'm going to put yeah. you on the spot here. So we've talked about a plethora of players that we think could be on the move. Some of which have been rumored or linked to potentially going to Boston. Most have not. Uh, But if you're looking across the board at at the list of guys we've gone through, how, how many of them would you like to actually see in a Celtics uniform? Not, not just because they're talented, but because they would actually be a good fit for this team yeah get like um, get get rid of the, the don't even worry about is it feasible just would you like to see like a victor oladipo on the celtics right okay do you want me to answer vic now or you want me to just go into the names go in through all your all the names okay. we've kind of gone through i'm gonna say aaron gordon yes um up from age you know the way he plays absolutely um you want to kind of go along with me or do you want me to just do my own first do your own Okay, I'm going to say Aaron Gordon, yes. Um, Lonzo Ball, yes. Um, Kyle Lowry, no, it doesn't make any sense. Um, DeMar DeRozan, sure. Um, I guess it, dep- I mean, it depends. I'm, I'm hesitant because if he's just going to leave us. But I, I yes, for the, for the short term, maybe you can fix what we have this year. <laughs> um, let's see. George Hill, not really. Um Ooh, John Collins, personally to me, no, but you could talk me into it. Um, are there some names that I'm missing here? Um, I mean, I, whatever names you've got on your list, I'll go through mine. In Drummond, uh, I'd, I'd rather become a New York Knicks man. <laughs> Sorry, as you can tell, I'm not high on under Drummond. No, you, you definitely dislike him very much. Uh, going through my list, uh, Victor Oladipo, uh, I, I would like to see him on the team. I do think he's very injury prone and that would be a concern, but you know that where his ceiling is and that's a, uh, an all NBA defensive caliber, all-star level player. Uh, so you can't really say no to that when this is a talent, a star driven league. Uh, I would say no to LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, I just don't think he fits the vibe of the team and he wouldn't exactly solve the power forward problem. Uh, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm out on Kyle Lowry. Uh, he's still more of a scorer in my eyes than a, a playmaker. Uh, JaVale McGee makes absolutely no sense. John Collins. I, uh, that's a, I, I, I'm going to say yes, but you can also talk me out of it. So the opposite of you, it's, it's pretty much like the talents there, but the fit is like, I have no freaking idea if that would work. Yeah. 
Uh, Aaron Gordon, I'm in on. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing improvements from him. He's, he's, his shot is getting better slowly but surely. Um, and he's, he's an athletic big. Uh, Drummond, of course, not. Uh, <laughs> George Hill. I think would be a nice addition to the bench, but you already have all these point guards on your bench. So unless you're just going to give up on Carson Edwards, Tremont Waters, Jeff Teague, which I mean, that's, please do. That's, that's, please that's, do. that's perfectly fine. Like, that's <laughs> what I was getting at. That's perfectly fine if they do that. Uh, but you would basically be saying, all right, screw you, Jeff Teague uh, or whoever. Uh, but I would be fine with George Hill. That, that would provide a nice punch to the bench. I'm in on. I'm still in on Harrison Barnes. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think that would be a nice pair. Although, uh, who knows if this is the real Harrison Barnes or not? Um, and then, Alonzo. I'll, I'll, the only one I'll comment on yours from your list is Lonzo. I I actually think that's a a pretty good addition if you can make it happen. So I would definitely take Lonzo, uh, even if you're still stuck with Kemba uh, in the meantime. I like it. I like it. And. Before before we wrap up here, can we can we just talk about like can we make predictions for what the Celtics actually do end up doing and you know the implications of what the timeline might look like yes. you know people's jobs this team going forward. Okay, do you want me to start? Yeah, you can start it up. Okay, so if we're answering the question of what are the Celtics doing at the deadline and who is going to have to pay for it if things don't work out, ah. Uh, I have to go with recent history and what I've seen over the past five, six years. And that is that Trader Danny is not Trader Danny anymore. He's just Danny Ainge, the up, the I can only fleece a team. I'm incapable of making a 50 50 trade, Danny Ainge, GM. And they're not going to get the price that they want. And they are going to strike out. They're going to end up empty-handed at the deadline yet again. And <laughs> that is going to come back to Danny Ainge. And it's going to – I'm not saying it's going to be his ass. I'm not saying it's going to be his job that's on the line. But, yeah, his seat is going to get to – is going to get to – it's going to be getting real warm squid. It's I, I'm not saying it's going to be hot, but if it's not already starting to get warm, it will be if he comes out empty handed at this trade deadline, man, that is just one scary sight to behold. Um, I, that, that is the harsh reality that could happen. And if that happens there, there should be. And I think there will be riots outside of the TD garden calling for Danny Ainge's job. Um, there will I'm be not on saying- Twitter. Yes, there will be on Twitter. Um, I mean, I'm okay with it. I think they, the, I think Boston, the beauty of Boston sports is the fans push the front offices to be the best that they can be. And it typically leads to results as we've seen the last 20 years and all the championships that we have won. Um, so with that being said, I'm going to take a little bit more of an optimist approach than you did there. Um, Cause my man, my heart hurts after that. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say that the Boston Celtics are going to make a move. Will it be these massive 4th of July fireworks that everyone wants? Absolutely not. They're not, they're not getting John Collins. Let me be clear. They're not getting DeMontis Sabonis who came on the market today. They are not getting Kyle Lowry or Marta Rosen. You can just, you can cross all those names out. Um, what I do think the Celtics will end up doing is trading one of the big man uh, log jam they have there. Obviously not trading Robert Williams unless, that is part of a package to get a player that we don't know is available right now and becomes available 
minutes before the deadline, like if a Brad Bill did become available and, you know, you want to put Time Lord in as a centerpiece, sure. But I think the Celtics do end up moving on from one of Tice or Thompson simply to clear up some roster space and get below the cap. Um, that is the minimum. So if that means trading Tristan Thompson to a team that wants him and getting a second round pick or a late first and getting under the, under the luxury tax. So you that resets next year and the finances are kind of figured out and you get, and you know, a piece to add to your treasure chest. That's fine with me. If that's a move you're going to make. Um, so I, I think that's one thing that personally, I think will definitely happen. Um, if it doesn't, I'm sorry that I'm giving you false hopes. Um, Something else that I'm optimistic is going to happen. I'm optimistic Ainge is going to trade for an, another young player. Um, I think the piece is Aaron Gordon. Many execs around the league are saying that Aaron Gordon is the favorite. The Boston is the favorite to land Aaron Gordon, which means inevitably Ainge is going to come on the radio and say, you know, we were really close in a few deals. We just couldn't make anything work. <laughs> and if I hear that line one more time, I, I truly do mean this. I'm going to stop being a Celtics fan. I'm going to, no, I'm going to you go, won't. No, I, you I, won't. I want to go cover the New England Revolution. Um, oh, no, <laughs> no, I, I, I do, I do, I do think though that an Aaron Gordon deal. I mean, I, th- I think Aaron Gordon's going to be dealt somewhere, and I, if I had to say right now, I think it's going to be Boston. The trade, I think, it's going to be a, you know, either a Romeo Langford or a Grant Williams and a first round pick or two, like protected picks. That would probably be the deal, and if that's the case. So be it. I don't want any more young guys in this roster. So we don't need the next two first round picks. Cause if I have to watch a Carson Edwards or a Grant Williams or a player like that anymore, go like, you gotta, you gotta figure out the log jam with the young guys. Carson Edwards can go. Um, one of the, I mean, they can go, you, yeah. you gotta do something. If whether it's Aaron Gordon or Lonzo ball, they're all gettable at, at not too high of a price. You gotta do one of them. Just pull the trigger. I don't care if stop treasuring your first round picks because we could have had Sadiq Bay and, all of a sudden, we have Aaron Neesmith who can barely find the floor. Yep. Never mind I, the hoop. <laughs> I think if 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 we do end up getting an Aaron Gordon, I like I said earlier, I think Evan Fournier comes with him, and I think that would be a nice punch off the bench. He would be essentially our sixth man uh, uh, for sure. He would be getting 25 minutes a game to lead that second unit scoring off the bench. I don't know if that's ideal to him or not, but at least that would put him in a playoff situation. That would put him in a, I don't want to say championship contending situation anymore, given the Celtics are below 500 and barely in the playoffs right now. But uh, I think the package to get that would be a Romeo Langford, uh, a Tice or a Tristan Thompson's or, and then uh, a first round pick or two protected, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, a deal like that is, is ideal for me. Um, maybe the Celtics make multiple deals. Maybe Danny gets sick of the Twitter slander, uh, the media <laughs> slander, Nesson writing these ridiculous slander articles about him um, and saying, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to go get Lonzo ball. I'm going to go get Aaron Gordon. Um, maybe that means Marcus Smart is gone, but you know, if you surround, I mean, my personally, my ideal lineup, I, I, I was uh, texting one of my group chats about it today is having a, uh, a lineup of Lonzo ball, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Aaron Gordon, and Robert Williams. That would be elite. I mean, your smallest player would be Lonzo ball at, or Jalen Brown at six, six. And that is a massive, it's a jumbo lineup. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Aaron Gordon can shoot. You can switch everywhere. They're all, they're all on the same age timeline. I mean, to me, that's ideal. Go make it happen. And they have the ability to do that with the young pieces with their own first round picks. Mm -hmm. And then, 
uh, the traded player exception. So there's really no excuse. If, if Danny wants to make do something about this team and its struggles and give them a shot in the arm, he has the ability to do it. It's whether or not he has it, the balls to pull the trigger. Yep. And I, I will say this, Brad Stevens has gotten a lot of slander uh, on, tw- on Twitter and many other places, basically saying fire Brad. I am a very pro Brad Stevens person. Um, I think Brad Stevens has been dealt tough hand in his time here in Boston with just the ever going changes. The roster has given us with just trades and players leaving and, you know, whatever that may be um, some tough personalities, Kyrie Irving um, and overall just, I mean, I'm pro Brad, so I don't think it's going to fall on Brad. I think it falls on Danny Ainge and his ability to build because the time is now, Danny, to set yourself up for the next three, four years because in two years, Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown might become that disgruntled superstar that teams are calling you about. And we might be fearing them walking away in free agency. So if you don't move now, we're looking at Boston's next championship, maybe being 10, 20 years down the road. And that is a very, very gloomy reality that could happen if the Celtics don't make a move. See, I might be a pessimist about the trade deadline, but I, I don't want to be a pessimist. <laughs> that, that shit is scary. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not thinking about that. But uh, any final thoughts on the trade deadline as a whole, Squid, before we, we send it out here? Um, yeah, my last thought is, I, do you think any players can swing, swing a championship? I think if Kyle Lowry ends up going to Philly or Miami. I think that could be a potential championship swinging deal in terms of that would give either of those teams uh, a shot at taking down Brooklyn in the East. And if you can get through Brooklyn somehow, then who knows what happens with the team out that comes out of the West. Uh, So I think that that might, that's a possibility uh, and then if, if Victor Oladipo were to end up in Miami somehow uh, at the deadline, I think that's the only other one where that's, that's a different championship altering move where you could say we've got Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Victor Oladipo, Goran Dragic, Tyler Hero. They've got firepower to potentially yep. match up with Brooklyn. So I think those are the only two players that could potentially alter the championship picture. Uh, and they would both be in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and I mean, the only other team that I think could potentially get in that mix is uh, is the Los Angeles Clippers. They do need a guard. And if Kyle Lowry was to, to get team back up with Kawhi, I think that would give them like the the will to get there. Yes. I don't know how they'd really pull it off, but that's one other team to look out for, Kyle Lowry, which could also be a championship swinger there. I agree. Um, the, and yeah, I mean, out of all the players we talked about, the only other championship swing that I see is um, – potentially DeMar DeRozan if he ends up in the right spot. I mean, if DeMar DeRozan ends up in the Lakers, I'm not saying the Lakers don't have enough now, but if DeMar ends up there, that really could swing the championship. And I mean, like in a drastic way. Mm-hmm. So just finding, finding ways uh, this year, I'm not, cause you know, if the Celtics trade for Aaron Gordon and win the, a, a title, a title two years down the road, that swings a, t- a championship two, day, two years down the road, but I'm more talking swinging a championship this year. So exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We're talking about the here and the now in here the 2021 20, season. The way the Brooklyn Nets operate. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But all right, Squid, I appreciate you hopping on yet again uh, for another edition of Fixin' to Talk Sports. Uh, Quickly, we want to shout out all the other podcasts on the Mouth and Off Sports 
umbrella, that being the Cool Zone Pod uh, with Nick and Jonathan, that being the Fox Profiles with DR, Zach, and Mike, and that being the Mouth and Off Show uh, with the originals. Uh, but for Squid, I'm Ryan Brown. We'll see you next time.